Welcome back, everybody. Time to grab your board and head out into the sea of ideas, see if you can catch a wave as it's curling, which is going to be a little hard to do in Seattle these days, uh, because I understand it's a little uh, snowy up there. You've actually had snow in Seattle. Almost every year we get snow in Seattle, but usually it's an inch or two. And so it's not that bad. We don't get a whole lot. Like if you're in Denver, if you're in St. Louis, if you're in Boston, like you're used to getting a lot of snow. And so you have equipment to get rid of snow. <laughs> yeah, right. Here in Seattle, like they don't get a, we, we have one snowplow that I'm pretty sure we share with Portland. And I think <laughs> last week it was in Portland because, well, it would, may not have helped. We've had in the last week, I kid you not, some of us have had over a foot of snow. Oh, my goodness. And I know. And the main roads are pretty much, um, you know, plowed through. But if you're on a side street, you still I mean, you have like still six to seven inches of snow that is now melting and slushing and freezing overnight. And it's not going anywhere until it just all melts. Well, I, I feel bad because it's raining again here in paradise. It's raining in southern, sunny southern California. So, you know, we're already t- suicidal. But then I think could be worse, could be snowing. Well, you know, last week we we talked a little bit about your beach drizzle, and so I'm I'm sorry that it's the beach dribbling again. <laughs> yes, it um, is. I think our guest today is probably shaking his head, calling in from well, he may be on the road as he most as he often is, but uh, either that or calling in from Columbus, Ohio, where I'm sure there is no beach drizzle to be found. Yeah, this time right. Of year. Well, let's get into it. Thanks for joining us today on Sales Pipeline Radio. If you're listening to us live on the Funnel Media Radio Network, thank you for joining us during your work day as we. Uh, We'll now slide into the second half of February. We're recording this on Valentine's Day, so hopefully everyone is enjoying uh, enjoying the day and uh, about to go out and do something fun with your loved ones and family and friends. If you're joining us on the podcast, thanks so much for subscribing. You can find us every episode on demand, past, present, and future on salespipelineradio.com, on iTunes Store, Google Play, and where other fine podcasts are found. We are featuring every week some of the best and brightest minds in b2b sales and marketing today is absolutely no different i am really excited this is a special treat he's a crazy busy guy but very excited to have with us today anthony Ianarino. anthony how you doing is that crazy comma busy or crazy busy was there a um, comma between those you two tell words tell me <laughs> uh crazy uh, I, busy no comma. i look at what you're doing and i think you know it's you're clearly busy but you also are one of the more focused intentionally focused people i know and I don't think there's anything crazy about that. For anyone that is not familiar with Andy Iannarino, you got to check him out. He's at thesalesblog.com. He's an author of numerous books, including the most recent book, Eat Their Lunch, Winning Customers Away from Your Competition. He is one of the co-founders of the Outbound Conference, which we're going to talk about here in a minute as well. But I feel like, Anthony, we got to get the elephant the, the elephant in the room. we got to cover it first. Why, Anthony Iannarino, do you hate social selling? <laughs> I, I, I hate the... <laughs> Let's get right to it. Uh, Because it it doesn't make any sense. And I think that what happened is people got really hyped up on the toolkits. And the exaggerated claim was, once you have social selling, you're never going to have to really prospect again. You're just going to connect with people online. You're going to share things with them. And then they're going to reach out to you and try to buy things from you. And I think this devastation has been that people believed this and thought that playing on LinkedIn was the same thing as prospecting or going out and tweeting and and making sure that you're sharing content was the same thing as creating opportunities, and they're not the same thing. And uh, probably the most aggressive stance I've taken against it is about one thing, and it's simply 
the idea that you should never pick up the phone and cold calling is dead and any kind of outreach that you do makes you a smarmy, self-oriented, manipulative, old school, Glengarry Glen Ross type salesperson. And none of those things are true. So I pushed back hard for a little while, but um, Matt, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but social selling is dead. And I would uh, challenge you to go find anybody that's really talking about it, even on LinkedIn anymore. It all went away and was replaced by account-based marketing and now what is being called the digital transformation of sales, which so far nobody can explain to me. Yeah, it's got to be something every year. We need we need a new hashtag for the new year. And so we've gone from social selling to account-based marketing to AI, robots taking over, to uh, yeah, digital transformation. You know, 15 years ago, it was like uh, there weren't hashtags yet, but it would have been hashtag banner ads that they were going to replace all other forms of marketing forever. Um, and I think, you know, one thing we continue to find and one of the things I really love about your approach is you are open and really embracing of a lot of new ideas, new approaches. But you are also very rooted in the fundamentals of selling. Uh, we're talking today on Sales Pipeline Radio with Anthony Ian Arino. He is the author of numerous books, including the this is literally what's called, and I highly recommend you read it, The Only Sales Guide You'll Ever Need and The Lost Art of Closing. You know, I think, um, and I and I'm, I'm, I appreciate you taking the uh, the first question in jest because I know you're also, you I mean you're highly active, like a lot of people are on social I'm, media, but I'm, don't necessarily I'm, believe that it is a closing tool. Go ahead. I'm I'm a, I'm a content marketer. There's no doubt about it. Well, and I think that's the point, right? Is that it's not about the social, it's not about the media, it's about the content and the ideas behind it, it's the conversations right. behind it. It's it's you connecting with another person with something of value that compels them to want to have a conversation with you. And that's not about the channel. It's not, right. you know, it's it's uh, it's really about how much value you bring to the table. And that I you know, from what I've seen from you, that is a constant in your message is is thinking about even if you're going outbound, even if you're cold calling. Like doing that with value, leading with value and leaving with value. Talk a little bit about sort of your approach to sort of the, the value-based selling that you talk about in your book. Yeah, so the the most recent book, Ether Lunch, there's actually a framework that I developed about content marketing to help salespeople understand how they could think about using content, but not in in the way of just being on LinkedIn or tweeting and that kind of thing, but mostly about how do you start teaching your client that there's another way for them to view their business? How do you swap out the lens that they're used to looking at their business through and start looking through a different lens? And you shape that lens when you start giving them these ideas. Okay, did you know that this was going on in the world? And there's something I, I just call super trends. So today in America, 11,000 baby boomers will retire, and that'll happen every day this year. That's 4.3 million people who are now leaving the workforce and retiring that have to be replaced. And we create about 200,000 jobs a month, and we're losing 358,000 people from the workforce a month. So how does this work out over time? That's a systemic challenge that's going to have an impact on anyone's business if they have to start replacing these people and find the talent and, in most cases, build the talent and find young people who are willing to take the job, even when they have a, a man bun and a giant, you know, well-greased beard, and they think they should have a pool table and be able to bring their parrot to work and all these kinds of things that we want now as employees. It's a different world. And so if you don't have a talent acquisition strategy, what are you going to do? And you can start shaping people's thinking by teaching them a different way of looking at their business. And that's what you're really doing with content marketing. It starts with why change. And then you have to support that with proof that you're right. And you also have to share what I call views and values. What should you be doing about this? How should you be thinking about it? 
And if you want to be a trusted advisor, you only need two things, trust and advice. And if you don't have the advice part, if you don't have a view and a value and you're not aware of all these things, then your prospective client, your dream client doesn't need you. I mean, if you don't know more than they do and you don't have a strong opinion about it, you can't really be consultative because consultative means I actually counsel you and tell you how to run your business better and get better results. Now, we live in an environment where I think a lot of companies want, they, they may listen to this and say, I, I get the trust, I get the advice, I, but I need to accelerate the process. I need this to move more quickly. I need my deals to, to move faster and close faster. And I mean, I'm going to raise my hand and say, I want that too for my business. But, you know, there is certainly is, I mean, there's certain things you can't speed up. I think building trust, building differentiation is something that has to start from square one where you may not necessarily control when someone's ready to buy, but you certainly control the quality of interactions you have from the beginning of the conversation. Talk a little bit about the intersection between sort of being intentional about the things you're teaching, but then having the discipline and patience to see it through the right way. I wrote a, the second book, but the law started closing. I wrote a lot about trying to control the process because in my view, and if, I'd be interested to hear your take on this instead of me answering all the questions, I'm going to pass this one back to you in a minute. I think that the sales process is nonlinear now because the buying process is nonlinear. And I think we've spent a lot of time over the last decade drawing out what the buyer's journey looks like. And so we have this platonic buyer and we show them starting on the left side of the page with awareness and then ending on repurchasing. And uh, we have all these concepts about what they do in between. It works very, very well for B2C in a lot of cases, but for B2B, it doesn't address things like We've had two discovery meetings. Now we brought their IT group in, and now executive leadership got involved, and now they want a discovery visit of their own. So we're not presenting next week. We're actually having a meeting to start the discovery process over with people who weren't included earlier. Where does that mm -hmm. show up on the slide deck? It doesn't. Or this person decided there was another initiative that they did needed to do first, so this is getting tabled for two months, and then we're getting back together. It just isn't linear anymore. And I think that the way that you have to think about it is, um, and this is a, a philosophy, is fast is slow and slow is fast. The more you can take care of having the right conversations and gaining the right commitments and making sure the right people are in the room, and the greater you can exercise control about getting that done, the more you can compress the sales cycle. But the other thing is op the opposite is true as well. The faster you try to go, the slower things go. And the slower, and by slow, I don't mean the, the time it takes. I mean making sure that you get all of the outcomes before you go and do the next thing. The faster mm -hmm. things tend to go. So it works the opposite of what people's intentions are. When they try to speed things up, they tend to slow it down. When you t spend time in front of sales teams at sales kickoffs and training events, um, how much are they coming to you and asking for sort of, you know, the, uh, the latest wave of hashtag this, hashtag that? How much are you seeing them these days? sort of settle back, realize that, you know, there isn't sort of, there isn't sort of a quick fix. There isn't a silver bullet and sort of focus on fundamentals. What, what are some of the trends you're seeing in how sales organizations are approaching 2019? For, for the most part, most people are more interested in a couple things. One, how do I control the process? And then two, uh, how, how do I become relevant for that person enough that I can help them and compel the change that I need from them? And mostly this comes down to, what what does the talk track need to sound like when I'm talking to that individual about why change that's going to cause them to take the next step with me? 
You mentioned earlier that process of, you know, engaging in the buying journey. I think it's certainly true. And I think I think one thing people don't really address upfront enough is, you know, if you've got a champion and know that there's going to be a buying committee, you know, we got to get this next group going or we got to get this, you know, decision maker on board or, you know, we've got to placate this group over here. How much of that should be discoverable up front? You know, and how much of that is the salesperson's role versus how much should a marketing organization, you know, help create a bit of a landscape to make that to make that a little clearer and easier to navigate up front? I, I think that everybody's involved in this, and I think the role of marketing's changed dramatically from awareness to opportunity creation, which is let me help shape the mindset for you, and let me help you with content that causes somebody to say we should talk to these people and do something about changing what we're doing, because what we're we're doing isn't no longer good enough. Uh, that that is absolutely marketing's role. I I think that um, you should absolutely ask, who else are we going to need to bring in? And I tend to recommend you be very, very broad in that and say, who's going to be affected by this? How do we make sure we're taking care of them? When does it make sense to bring them into a meeting like this? Because if you can find those names out, you can do a better job. But I don't think that you can do a complete job because there just tends to be more and more people getting piled into these decisions because nobody wants to force something on the organization if they don't believe they can execute it and they want consensus but for a lot of people consensus means everybody agrees it doesn't mean that we look for a plurality enough of a group to say yeah this is the right thing and some people are going to have to stand down but what they really look for for the most part is a unanimous decision which they can't get which is why there's a lot of no deals but you find people coming in later and later in the process and I'll tell you my experience is the later they come in, the more problematic it is. And the more work you can do to find out who they are and start saying, listen, I know we haven't brought IT into this uh, because you know it's going to be a problem and they're going to start talking about all the resources they're going to need. But if we don't bring them in and they come in late, they're going to have the moral high ground and they're going to be able to say, if we need to stop this, we don't have the bandwidth or whatever, whatever they're going to say to slow things down. So that, that is the salesperson's uh, job to do that and to first just understand that this is going to happen, whether you want it to or not, in, in big deals specifically. The smaller deals, not as much and not as many, but certainly in every deal, there tends to be more and more consensus. We've got Anthony Ian Arino today on Sales Pipeline. We're going to have to take a quick break. Um, we're certainly talking a little bit about sort of the buying committee, building consensus. Definitely check out Anthony's work. He does a, a lot of he spends a lot of time in his content talking about building consensus as a proprietary consensus methodology. Check a lot of that out on his website as well as his books, including the most recent book, Eat Their Lunch. We'll be back with a little more with Anthony. We're going to talk about Outbound, the conference coming up. Uh, this is, I think, the third year, third fourth year they've been doing Outbound. It's certainly grown significantly. I want to talk about that and the the uh, sort of the movement behind it. We'll be right back with Sales Pipeline Radio. <music> The way we do business is advancing faster than ever before. Yet amongst the disruptions, there's one pillar that stays standing through it all. The power of a relationship. Relationships are at the core of everything. So how are today's organizations developing, nurturing, and leveraging them to drive success? Download the new research report on the state of relationship marketing and learn how your team can bridge the gaps between relationships and revenue. Download your free report at HeinzMarketing.com. That's H-E-I-N-Z Marketing.com. All right, let's pick it back up with uh, Matt and his guest. Can I, can I ask my every man question here before you jump in too far? Please. 
the title of the show is Outbound Lives, and yet for years I've been hearing, oh no, Outbound's dying. It's all about generating leads to come to you here. I'd love to get your guest take on it. Is there a consensus that Outbound is still alive and coming back here? You're going to say the answer is yes, given the name of your conference is, is Outbound. I think we talked a little bit about that before, but uh, that is a great segue. Um, is cold calling and Outbound dead? Cold calling and outbound is alive and well, and uh, it never really went away. I mean, there were still many, many of us that were still uh, coaching, teaching, training, using it in our business, and that, that's not going to go away for a long, long time into the future. You're going to need cold outreach, but none of us are anti-inbound. Uh, I mean, the, the, the difference between, I think, the, the uh, cold call is dead, outbound is dead. That's the straw man that social sellers or people who, who talk about social selling, that's the straw man they set up to have something to rail against. Don't you hate the cold call? Everybody hates the cold call. And mostly the group that said that are charlatans and uh, people who got washed out in, in sales and tried to find an easier way to do something. And that easy thing for some of them was just to start talking about how social selling was the new wave in teaching and training that. But the truth of the matter is inbound's important. It's critically important. And it would be a mistake not to say, I'm going to use all of the channels to reach out to my prospective customers or dream clients. Uh, all bound is better than inbound and outbound. You want all of them. But the idea of passively waiting for deals to come to you and passively waiting for what somebody told me last week was a, a sales-qualified lead, and I asked what that meant, and they meant ready to buy. And I said, if they're ready to buy, why do they need a salesperson? Why can't they just fill out an order form and buy what they want? And you take clients where you find them. And sometimes they're not prepared to change. And sometimes they don't know they need to change. And sometimes they're just so bogged down in the status quo, they need somebody to come in and start sharing ideas with them. And Outbound gives you the ability to say, I can reach out and start talking to the people that I want to do business with and that I can create value for rather than sitting back and passively waiting. And I've never known waiting to be a great strategy for producing any particular result uh, that you want in life and certainly not in sales. Well, and you feel so strongly about this. You and some of your friends have literally created a conference around it. Talk a little bit about the origin of the Outbound Conference and where it's gone and talk a little bit about what you guys have planned here in a couple months. I was sitting in a, a sales conference and I realized that many people we'll never get to go to a $4 million sales kickoff like the one I was speaking at. And I thought that's, that's a shame that other people don't get this experience to hear, you know, big name speakers and get this kind of content and this kind of experience. And while I was sitting there, um, two things happened. I recognized that idea. And then I saw the inbound conference keep popping up in my Facebook feed. And I thought, you know what, if there's an inbound there, why wasn't there an outbound? Why couldn't somebody do a conference just about outbound? And uh, I bought outboundconference.com and about 25 derivatives of that name on my domain uh, supplier. And I immediately left that meeting and called Jeb and said, I've got a good idea. We should do an outbound conference. And he said, that is the single best idea you've ever had in your entire life. I think that's an exaggeration, but he uh, still commits to that being the very best idea I've ever had. And we uh, called Mike Weinberg and Mark Hunter, and we put the first one together uh, a couple years ago. And the first one, we had about 12 weeks to put together, and we had 400 people show up. And we recognized that there was an appetite for people to come in to learn about prospecting, building your pipeline, and being productive with your time. Uh, the second year, last year, we had just over 600 people. 
uh, we just exceeded what we had uh, seats for and had to bring in extra chairs because we, we did a little bit better than even we thought we would do because people showed up very late to buy tickets. And this year there will be a 1,000 people in the World Congress Center Georgia Ballroom, and we've extended it from uh, a two-day event to now a three-day event. So there will be two days of main stage with people like Jeffrey Gittimer and Bob Berg and Andrea Waltz and Colleen Francis and Victor Antonio that we've added to the bill. And the third day there will be uh, a, a who's who of sales development, Larry Levine, uh, Jen Gluckow, uh, Gene McNaughton, a whole bunch. There's, I think, 16 people presenting workshops on the final day. And uh, the tickets are on sale now, and they're doing really, really well. So we're going to have another big conference this year. April 23rd through 26, 2019, as Anthony said, the Georgia World Congress Center in Atlanta. You can check out more at outboundconference.com. You know, I think there are an awful lot of sales reps and sales managers who, you know, don't have access to those big sales kickoffs. We see sort of people posting pictures from wild, extravagant places with great speakers. And uh, I think it's awesome you guys bring that together. You know, one thing I've noticed in your conferences and others that, that, that are tied and seem to be some of the, some of the most popular and well-attended they don't just include people sharing process and methodology. You do have people that are inspirational, that are motivational, that get into sort of the psychology and psyche of selling. Why, why is that? I mean, if I'm right in, 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 in seeing that, why is that something that has been an, a priority for you on the, on the agenda? We decided that we were going to have a couple of single rules about, you know, the, the, the way that we run a conference. And the number one rule is this is a content-driven conference. It's not a sponsor-driven conference. And in a sponsor-driven conference, there tends to be a lot of people pitching from the stage. There tends to be a lot of technology and process things that people are showing because they want you to come to a booth and buy things. And we have sponsors, and we definitely want you to go to the booth and see, you know, outreach and Zoom info and, and the people that are going to be there. Uh, but the, they don't get to have the microphone, and you're, you're not going to listen to a pitch. And what, what has always bothered me is people that have to pay to go to a conference to be pitched. I mean, if you're just going to pitch them, you don't, don't make them pay to pitch them. Just pitch them. That seems more fair to me than making them pay to show up and come into a room. So this is a, it is a content-driven conference. No one's allowed to pitch from the stage. Sponsors don't get the microphone. We're there to deliver the content that helps people improve their lives and improve their sales results. And that's our single uh, outcome for everything that we do here. And when that happens, I think that's why people keep coming back. So we'll, we'll have probably 30% of the people that were at Outbound last year come back this year, specifically because the promise is there. You're going to get content that is what we call practical, tactical, and actionable. You're going to be able to leave and do things that you can't do right now. Last question for our guests as we wrap up here on Sales Pipeline Radio. Anthony here, you know, make sure you check out uh, the Outbound Conference at outboundconference.com. His new book, Eat Their Lunch, Winning Customers Away from Your Competition. And speaking of books, I know that you are a voracious reader of a wide variety of topics. What are, who are a few people that you have been particularly inspired by in your career? Uh, you know, they could be professors, managers, alive or dead. Who are some people that you'd like to recognize that you might recommend other people check out as well? That's a big giant list for me, but I'll start with for for character development and success and productivity. Stephen Covey's work is still the master work in that category. After that, I have to say, from a sales perspective, still nobody tops Neil Rackham in my mind. Neil Rackham is still the very best. If if you want to start getting out into other concepts where it's not going to be a, quite as uh, conventional as those. 
Howard Bloom, who wrote a book called The Lucifer Principle, a scientific expedition into the forces of history. If you want to really understand what the word meme in memetics is and how ideas spread from person to person and infect us, Howard Bloom is the very best. And then I, I study a philosopher here in the United States named Ken Wilber, and Ken Wilber's got about the most clear lens of understanding human behavior as anyone that I've ever found. And because in sales, what we're doing is we're working with humans. It's a really good idea to get a deep understanding of how we operate. Last question, and I promise this is the last question before I make my producer sweat and, uh, you know, is going to cue the orchestra. You know, it, it strikes me that the number of books you read and the, the, and the level, uh, is the amount you travel, the amount, how busy you are, how many things you're working on. I think a lot of people can make the excuse, well, I just don't have time to read. I wish I had more time to read. Um, you can say the same thing, and yet you still get a lot of books read. What are some of your uh, quick secrets to, to, to just spending, getting more time to read? I, I try to block an hour a day for reading, and the the way that you can get the reading done with no extra time, if you like a Kindle, you can have Kindle with WhisperSync with the Audible, and if you buy the two things together, you buy the Kindle book and the Audible at the same time, they're synced together. So when you stop reading, you can just turn your phone on while you're running, while you're on the treadmill, while you're in the shower, while you're doing something else. And it allows you double the speed that you're able to read books because all the time that you really can't be doing something else, you can actually be taking that in. Can I have the last question? Love it. Of course. When are you coming on the uh, in the Arena podcast? Oh, my gosh. I've been waiting for an invite. Are you kidding me? Anytime you want. All right. The major leagues. That happen in the next couple of weeks. Awesome. I love it. I wish we had more time, but uh, Paul's going to kick us out here here, so we get the next show on. Thank you so much, Anthony Inarino, for joining us today. Uh, make sure you check out the Outbound Conference and uh, his books, including the latest one, Eat Your Lunch. Got a bunch of great guests coming up next week. We've got Sean Herring. He is the C CMO, the Chief Marketing Officer for PandaDoc. We're going to be talking about the hidden inefficiencies that are killing your sales workflow and conversion rates. A lot of great speakers and topics after that. I know we got to go for my great producer, Paul. This is Matt Hines. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. You've been riding along in the Sales Pipeline right here on the Funnel Radio Network for at-work listeners like you. <laughs>